Hey everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Bill. And I'm Steve. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. Honka, honka, honka. Hi, Steve. How you doing? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ah, uh, Jack. Um, I am doing uh, pretty well. I've completed my Ranger Key collection, which is fantastic. Oh, boy. Uh, uh-huh. That was uh, one of the last things that I outright said to my wife that I would still be willing to buy, because I've cut back on a lot of collecting stuff, but there was one last wave of keys, and I found them. So I have every single American-made key for every specific Ranger, I should say. I still don't have the $400 Power Morphicon exclusive Titanium Ranger key, but they fortunately made a retail, mass-produced Titanium Ranger key, finally, so... So what's the difference? Is the paint job? Yeah, I don't even think that's different. It's just the Power Morphicon key, when you put it in the Morpher, says Power Morphicon instead of Lightspeed Rescue. Does it really? Yes, it does. That's mind-blowing. I there's actually I... a lot of hidden sounds on the American Morpher that they never use. Like, there's it says Merry Christmas, Happy Birthday, Happy New Year, Special. Like, a lot of uh, sound um, cues are on the Morpher, and Bandai just never fucking did anything with it. So, I now, man, I... Must have forgot. Like, how do how does the morpher tell what key you have in it? Oh, uh, they have different notches, like a key. So okay. basically, whatever like sequence is notched inside of the device itself is what activates what sound bite that it says. That's cool. That's interesting that they pre-programmed the morpher to say power morphicon. Yeah. I, well, I mean, like the Japanese um, morpher, the Mobira, it had a lot of stuff that it said way more than than the American, which is par for course. So I'm not going to judge too harshly. You know, the American Morpher does its job. I'm not going to be a super dick about it. The Japanese one has a lot more Ranger keys. Way more. It has every single specific Ranger name, color, team. There's games you can play on it. It says every fucking holiday. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. It's crazy how much stuff is on the Japanese key. So I guess when they were making the American Morpher, they had some of the same ideas. Like, oh, well, we'll be doing uh, exclusive. So let's have it say Power Morphicon. Let's have it say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Birthday. Um, I guess, you know, with the idea like, oh yeah, we'll have birthday cards that come with a key and it'll say happy birthday or shit like that, you know, but clearly mm. they just didn't care about the line. They didn't care about the entire anniversary season. Again, I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand times. They were handed col- They were handed gold and they just took a big shit on the plate. Big old steamy, sticky shit. Yep. So of all those sound bites, you can only hear them if you like trick the morpher. Like if you're, if you like legitimately make your own keys, there's actually like, um, uh, a list of exactly what notches you need to get all the sound bites out of the morpher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but other than that, that's it. Sounds like Bandai. Oh, of America. Oh, Bandai of America. Good game. However, I'm going to give credit where it's due. I like the American keys themselves way more than the Japanese ones because although they're smaller, the paint jobs are way better across the board. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the Japanese keys are split a lot, so you you get some through Gashapon machines. You have to put stickers on yep. them. I mean, it made sense. You just not everything was going to be available retail wise that way. Yeah, that's but that's the other thing. Release like, everything. Yeah, it's it's a pro and a con with that. In Japan, every single ranger got a key. Period, except for mm-hmm. I think the Swan Ranger, but she was in I think literally one fucking episode ever. Yeah, we didn't get that here either. Um, but every single ranger got a key. However, in order to get a lot of like the sixth rangers, you had to get them through those Gachapon machines. Like, you couldn't yeah. buy them in a store, which made them really hard to get, which is why they're often so expensive online. Versus in America, although the key line was handled pretty fucking boggled, uh, almost every Ranger got a key, including quite a few actually, like, American-exclusive keys. Uh, Phantom Ranger, um, you know, Titanium Ranger, uh, Armored Red Ranger, a few like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were all at least available retail. Like, 
until, not including when Titanium Ranger was a con exclusive for a long time, not including in that period of time, every single, every single American key was available retail. So they were easier to get as a whole. Yeah, and then obviously, but Bandai obviously did go, did go farther because they'd made a lot of uh, Bandai Premium Shop keys. So you got like keys of all the different uh, mechs and everything. Oh else. yeah, they yeah, got, and a lot of villain keys. They just I've seen a lot of those sets, and they just how many like extra stuff they still keep making. They had way more fun with it in Japan, and I'm shocked that they did not do that in America because the keys always sold really well. And I think they could have. That's a line that they could have kept going for a while because the keys are collectible all on their own. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I spent. You know, about three keys are, is eight ninety nine, which is a bit pricey. But even at three bucks a key, I have like uh, over a hundred Power Rangers on my shelf now, and I spent a fraction of what I would have paid compared to like buying a five inch figure for all of them. Mm-hmm. And I, I call I call that a win. Absolutely, but admittedly though, uh, giving Bandai some credit, I did finally see the their kind of their seven inch like legacy, whatever they want to call it, series. Of Power Rangers figures. Oh, you finally saw them. Target. Yeah, I saw that. So the Green Ranger, I saw all three of the Rangers from the newest season. Uh, that's actually not from the new season. That's from Ninja Storm. Oh, Ninja. Wait, uh, no, they're the ones with the dino- three dinosaurs. Oh, okay. Because they also made they made three Ninja Storm Legacy Rangers that are in Target right now. I didn't see any for Kyo Ruger. Yeah, Kyo Ruger. That that's the one. Of the three, the three, that just a three member team that builds like a, have dinosaurs, right? No, they didn't have dinosaurs. That you definitely saw Ninja Storm. I guarantee it. There's no dinosaurs. Hmm. hmm. Maybe I'm just. I'm. I'm. I am. Let me find. Knitting. Let me find a picture and ask you: Is this who you saw? And if it's I, yeah, this is my favorite part of every episode. <laughs> we try to figure out what fucking Super Sentai team I'm talking about. <laughs> it happens shockingly. I saw a lot. them, and they look. They looked like. Uh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't a storm. Sorry. It's okay. They looked. They looked very similar to like some stuff. So I was confused. Well, they had helmets and they were wearing colors. I can see how you can confuse them for one of 20 other seasons. Absolutely. <laughs> and, it, and it looks like a three-member team. It and, is, yeah. And uh, one of the, I don't know, whatever. I goofed. I fully admit I goofed when it comes to Super Sentai. But they looked pretty good. They're just, it seems like a really stupid idea to make them so, like, seven inches because they don't really go with anything. Yeah, I don't know why they're seven inches. Like, their posability is good. Uh, they're, oh, yeah, they're, they're a little bit more. They're a little bit more muscular, but they aren't as offensive as other American Power Ranger toys have been. Yes. Um. But yeah, why are they seven inches? I mean, they'll go with your NECA figures, but most everywhere else, it sticks in like a six inch, you know, one twelfth right. size line. Absolutely. I just not not this weird seven inch scale. I don't know. It's so strange. Maybe they wanted to be in scale with their Thundercats figures they made four years ago. <laughs> Maybe. That no one liked. No one Because they weren't in scale with anything I owned. The Power Rangers <laughs> fans will buy anything, so. Pretty much. It's fucking true. It's like, hey guys, you could buy. You could have bought the figure arts, but here are these figures. For the price, I think these figures are fine. Well, yeah, because they're a retail figure. They need to be 20 bucks. Yeah, absolutely, and I get that. And they come with build a figure pieces, so you can build Daiju in and all these other stuff. Which I think is kind of neat yeah. that they're doing that. I, I think that this is a cool thing, you know? Like, I do think that this is a cool little um, line that they've introduced, and they're trying to do something different, something that it's a lot something better, that's a lot better. retail-based but still has quality. Yeah, it's way better than their previous uh, toy stuff, which, just, which Toys R Us still has those shitty fucking, those like, five-inch... 
Oh, those five yeah. inch ones that are like garbage figures, but they're like twenty three dollars. Yeah, or, or those um, also those eight inch armored ones that were like that are like feg- mega fucking buff. <laughs> I know they're so ridiculous. I bought when those were coming out. I bought the Green Ranger and I took his uh, armor off and then tried to put it back on. It would not clip back on because he's, he's too rough. Too, he, he's too he's ripped. Too ripped. <laughs> So I'm like, well, this is going back to the store. I bought uh, just one. It was the uh, uh, Gokai Silver Gold mode, and the only reason why I did that is because there's that's like the only Gokai Silver Gold mode figure, like including mm-hmm. Japan. <laughs> so like uh, that one, I was willing to buy a mega buff Gokai Silver just in order to get one Gold mode because he's possibly my favorite Ranger of all time. I had to, awesome. I had to give in. Uh, but enough about my nerd shit. What are you up to, Bill? Uh, other nerd shit. Uh, New Japan's G1 tournament is concluding this Sunday, aka the episode this the uh, the day this episode goes up, if I can speak clearly. <laughs> and uh, that's been consuming my life. Uh, other than that, it's just living stuff. I've been playing Overwatch more because uh, Blizzard obviously has updated the game a bit, so it runs a bit better on my own computer. So I've been very excited about that. I don't have nearly as many problems playing it as I did when the game launched. Uh, and then uh, the next expansion for Warcraft is coming out at the end of August called Legion. And if you pre-order it, you got to play the new Demon Hunter class they're adding in the game early. So I also played that earlier this week. That was pretty cool. cool. I like that. Cool expansion. Looks like it's made a lot of fun. Other than that, not a lot. Although I guess it is a lot of stuff, but this doesn't seem like a lot of stuff. Because most of it involves me sitting at my computer either playing a game or watching people beat the shit out of each other. Fantastic. I know, it's the best. Oh, speaking of people beating the shit out of each other, I should let the viewers at home know that I started watching Lucha Underground. Hell yeah. I got three three or four episodes in on season one, and I am so hooked. It's so good. <laughs> it's uh, really good. It's really funny. It's uh, just great fucking wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, uh, oh, I forget his name, but like the leopard cat dude or something. Prince Puma. Yeah, Prince Puma, I have created a character for him in my brain where he only speaks in meows. <laughs> I don't know why, but whenever he is on screen wrestling, I'm just going meow, 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 meow. And I don't know if it's funnier to me that no one, everyone stares at him confused when he speaks KFAB, or if everyone understands him and replies back to things that he is meowing. Well, everyone understands meowing, just like everyone in the universe might speak English, but they can understand Spanish, too. Right, right, exactly. Because people speak Spanish, and they're like, yeah, well, shut up, Pentagon Jr. And be like, yo soy Pentagon Jr. y cero miedo. And everyone would be like, yeah, that's, yeah. And like, okay. <laughs> and stuff. But, uh, yeah, season two is over. Season three starting sometime in September. So, yeah, plenty of time to get all caught up. It'll probably take me some time, because now i got to worry a bunch about starting to get some post-production Bonus feature stuff on Carousel Done. Speaking of, I need to tell my actors to get me some shit so that I can put that shit together. Fuck! I have to be so busy. Uh, no, you don't. Just, just, just phone it in, Steve. Okay, I'll phone it in. Phone it in. Uh, don't pay anybody. Uh, <laughs> no, why would I do that? Why would I pay anyone? Clearly, I could just not be paying people and save all that fucking money. That's just ludicrous to me. Yeah, like out of out of the joke. That's just ludicrous to me. Yeah. Like, um, for those of you who uh, aren't friends with me on Facebook, uh, because I don't know who the fuck you are, <laughs> um, I was told by one of the Carousel uh, actors, uh, actresses specifically, but, you know, people prefer the gender-neutral actor. I don't give a fuck. Uh, I was told by her that Carousel is the only movie 
only acting job that she has gotten the entire year where she has been paid. In in the Pittsburgh area, where people continuously claim that the movie industry is growing and getting bigger, and there's a lot of stuff going on, and I always roll my fucking eyes, because I keep hearing shit like this from my actress, who outright says, you're the only fucking person that paid me this year, and I don't fucking matter, Bill. Like, I'm, I'm making little cheap fucking movies, and even I'm paying my actors? There's a fucking problem here. Yeah. There's so many motherfuckers just making movies, and they aren't paying the actors, they aren't fucking paying anybody, and I'm not saying every single movie has to do that, but when that's all you're fucking doing, there's a problem. I agree, because then th- those people will get the quote-unquote free work for exposure. Like, like the Survivors, I didn't pay anyone, because I made the Survivors for 500 fucking dollars, and I told everyone involved that it was just for the internet. Mm-hmm. And that was sandwiched between Carousel, where everyone got paid, Red Christmas, where the actors got paid, Captain Z, where the actors got paid. So I didn't yeah. feel bad about doing the Survivors, being like, hey guys, can I get a favor this time? Yeah, but other productions will get everyone for free, then sell the movie to distribution for a good chunk of, you know, not a huge chunk of change, but a chunk of change, and that's not going to anybody but the people who made the film. Right. And that's kind of, that's And that's what the problem is. Oh yeah, totally. It's not a situation where, let's say, for example, Carousel, you pay people, and then let's say you got a very big distribution deal. Well, that's, you know, you know, you you still paid people, at least. I paid people, they were contracted for that amount of money, the odds of a big distribution deal was slim to none, and the fact that we got it, that's going to be rewarding the guy who actually upped all the fucking money. Yes. And the, you know, the other two rights owners. Mm-hmm. And then then you get exposure. And then I can pay people film. more money. Yeah, because then you can get more more, more, uh, high, more high-paying gigs. Yeah. See, that, that's where it matters, but, you know, you're a good person. I appreciate that. You're too good for this business, Steve. It seems that way sometimes. I really feel that way sometimes. When I'm the one going out of a way to pay people and treat people really right, and I'm consistently concerned that I'm not doing a good enough job or that, like, I'm not paying enough or the people are upset with me. And then I hear other stories, and I'm just like, no, I'm clearly the most talented, best motherfucker in this area doing this shit. No, and yet see, I'm you're, getting you're no asshole. coverage. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a shitbag. Well, then you should... Yeah, yeah. I don't know, have someone write into a newspaper. Yeah, clearly I need that. But then they won't care because there's other more important things going on. Like, did you see this squirrel that was in a tree on this on the south side today? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this squirrel. Oh, hey, uh, there's Amazon-exclusive Suicide Squad Blu-rays that come with statues. Don't pre-order that, guys. <laughs> don't, don't pre-order that. Uh-huh, because uh, you're just going to wake up to an email being like, hey, go fuck yourself. I don't think Amazon told you to go fuck yourself. I took a screenshot. Whoa! I, I called up and just like, hey, uh, so I pre-ordered this and I was really looking forward to getting it. Uh, is there like any information? Because if I'm just getting it in the next couple of days, that's fine. But if you don't know, then I need I want to go buy it because I'm really excited for Batman Superman. And they said, hey, Steve, you're a faggot. And then they hung up. Whoa! They dropped that on you. I know. Uh, oh, so- that's a lot. That's a lot coming from the site that sells like you know rubber fists and gal and like drums of lube. Well, I mean, they weren't they weren't using it as a derogatory homosexual term. No, I think they were. <laughs> um, uh, I think so, they're implying some stuff about your sexuality and in, in a negative light. Maybe, maybe you're right. It's like, oh yeah, well you suck dick, <laughs> and it's like, whoa, what's wrong? With yeah, that? what's it's, wrong with that? Yeah, that because you do it. Oh, you're inferior. Oh, uh, you DC cuck. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I don't mind penises in my mouth. I think that's fine. 
No, you fag! <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just going to wait for whatever the Target exclusive Suicide Squad Blu-ray is, because Target exclusives are having cleaning fucking house when it comes to retail exclusives. Usually they come with extra stuff. They did. Uh, now, the, uh, if they, now if they were steel books, that'd be better. Well, the uh, I looked at the Batman v Superman um, limited edition like retail exclusive stuff to see where I wanted to buy the Blu-ray from since Target. I'm sorry, since Amazon was out of the question now. And uh, yeah. Best Buy had steel books, which is cool. They had one for Batman, one for Superman, and they cost like thirty dollars or forty dollars if I also wanted the retail exclusive graphic novel. Uh, Walmart had nothing, uh, yeah. and Target had. A uh, Blu-ray with a uh, lenticular cover, which faded between Superman and Batman, and also came with a art, a concept art book uh, that's about the size of the Blu-ray case, but it's like forty pages long, and it cost mm-hmm. exactly the same amount as just the regular Blu-ray. Yeah. So I picked that one up. Yeah. And that I mean, actually sold lately... out. Like I got one of the last copies that day. The day yeah. it came out. But everyone hates that movie, right? Oh yeah, I was reading. I was reading reports today from Variety that. Batman v Superman on Blu-ray, the Ultimate Edition, was like huge numbers of sales, and during the during the month after, or I guess since it's come out, like it's been number one, topping the charts. Like the second film below it was like like way down in sale numbers. Yeah, well, it's because it's a terrible movie, and everyone hates it. Yeah, well, I th- I've been hearing a lot more. This little side thing about the Ultimate Edition, uh, I've been hearing a lot more people coming around to it. Good, I'm glad because it deserves it. I think a lot of people are saying, you know, hey, why didn't you just release this to theaters? Yeah, because I like the theatrical cut, but I do hope that Warner Brothers does learn a lesson from this. You know, seeing everyone sing the praises of the ultimate cut versus, you know, how much uh, shit they got for the theatrical cut. Because while I still like the theatrical cut and thought that all of the negative reviews were out of hand, um, the ultimate cut is absolutely a superior film. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. It, it was well, The theatrical cut was a, I liked that. The ultimate cut was, I loved that. I completely agree. And that's what happened there. But yeah, the problem is this is something that I we've discussed before with like the Marvel films. So they never ran into this super hard. I mean, a couple of times with some of the Iron Man films. But when you have so many films in production at the same time, and you have to fix one thing, it takes you like two films to court like quote unquote course correct to get back to where you think you need to be. Like you get reactions of this, then you fix this one film, but then you'll get a lot of uh, people reacting to a home video release of something. You're like, and they're telling you something else, and then you're changing people in the studio, and you got Jeff Johns being president of the film stuff now. And so I know a lot. You know, this is going to be a little lead into when we talk about Suicide Squad for today's episode. But I think this, like, his last Rocky film. I think now going on, we're to Wonder Woman and Justice League, and the films after that, I think will be a lot more smoother sailing. I completely agree. Yeah. Because, because they needed a guy stuff. with uh, that really understands the characters to at least put the boat on the correct course. And that's coming mm-hmm. from someone that liked the course they were already on, but I'm not going to be a complete fucking blind idiot and say that it wasn't rocky. Yeah. You know, there was definitely some speed bumps, there were some big waves and some rocks that they just barely avoided. I think uh, with Jeff being the uh, captain, as it were, not necessarily the guy calling every single shot like uh, Kevin Feige Fag. Kevin Feige. Feige. What a weird fucking last name. Well, there's Paul Feige, and then there's Kevin Feige, and they're both, their last names are almost spelled identically. Yeah. Um, that's why it, it fucks me up. But, it, like, he super calls the shots, and I don't think Jeff is going to be that dictator-like, but I do think he's going to be putting them on a course that's much better for um, the future of the uh, movie universe, for sure. For sure. Because he, he already greenlit Man of Steel 2. Which yes. is great, but, and like, don't, but yeah, that's that's bad news. I'm very excited about that. And uh, don't get me wrong, I'm actually 
always thought that it was really cool that the Man of Steel sequel was Batman Superman. It made sense, and as I said when we reviewed it, I do feel that Batman v Superman is very much a part two style movie. It absolutely mm-hmm. feels like a direct continuation in every way, so it's still a sequel, but I'm really excited that there will be another solo Superman movie for sure here, because Henry is my favorite, you know, blue boy. Uh, so oh, you don't like the guy that's coming in Supergirl? Um, I'll watch that for sure, because that sounds hot. Uh, I mean, he's he seems fine, but he ain't no Dean Cain when it comes to TV Superman. Haha, yeah, Dean Cain. He deserves better than playing, like, Abusive husbands on on uh, Lifetime movies. I know, or rapists in CSI. I'm sorry, not CSI. Um, uh, special Victims Unit, Law and Order, Law and Order yeah. Special, SVU. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> oh, Dean Kane. Seriously, before Henry Cavill, Dean Kane was my favorite Superman. I thought he did a really good job, even if the show itself was campy, weird shit. <laughs> oh, Lois and Clark. Oh, Lois and Clark. Classic. I'm so I, I'm oh, disappointed well, the Supergirl was not set in the Lois and Clark universe. Well, they they thought they were stopped putting it in the Man of Steel universe, but they never really went that far. And then now now it's in the Flash universe, or sorry, the CW verse. Well, it may still be on its own Earth, but with interdimensional crossovers. Who knows? I don't watch any of that stuff. <laughs> uh, I hear it's terrible. It must be terrible. <laughs> it must be, yeah. Critics hate it, so obviously that's objective facts, and anyone that disagrees is wrong. It's okay to have an opinion that's wrong. No, go fuck yourself. Opinions are wrong. Films are fucking subjective. Uh, critics are talking about objective things. Yeah, and yet I disagree with them. How could that be? Oh, wait, I guess it's subjective, you piece of fucking shit. Well, uh, we saw some Transformers. Uh, they look cool. I don't really have much else news beyond that, because we're recording, why am I recording this, a new... Rogue One trailer is going to drop, and I'm sure by Sunday, like, five more things will get announced. So we should just cut our losses now. Yeah. Show's over, guys. Okay, Pack it up. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, let's just get into it. Uh, I, we talked about this last week when we watched Assault on Arkham. Uh, I did watch the Suicide Squad uh, Axel Braun parody. Uh, it was not very good. I still need to see that. You still need to give me that link. Yeah, well, I, you know, no, Steve, I bought it. Uh, yeah, the link to your digital file that you paid for, and you actually have a license to share it with one person. Yeah, that. <laughs> um, I hear, uh, I mean, it looked fantastic. I mean, you have uh, Flat Top playing the Joker. <laughs> William Forsythe is coming back to play Flat Top in the Suicide Squad porn <laughs> It straight up looks like him, and it looks like oh, fucking... I, I appreciate that. I've, I, my leak has been very Dick Tracy-centric. There are the Projection Booth, which is a podcast I mentioned before, did a three-hour episode on Dick Tracy. I listened to that, then I watched Dick Tracy, now you're talking about Dick Tracy. It's full circle now. <laughs> it's so great. I love when that happens. Um, now, if only Warren Beatty showed up and shot everybody. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Bill and I got banned from Axel Braun's Twitter because we po- <laughs> pointed out how terrible his Joker looked that he's super proud of. And, like, I don't want to yeah. knock the actor. Like, I'm not saying that the actor as a person is ugly, but dressed this way, he looks fucking stupid. Looks like James Hong. He looks like James Hong. He looks like Flat Top. He sounds like Pee Wee Herman, apparently. Oh, when I... The scenes I started watching, he sounds like Paul Rubens' Pee Wee, and he looks like Paul Rubens' Pee Wee. <laughs> like, Paul Rubens now addresses Pee Wee. 
Uh, and you can tell that he's these the grill they put in his mouth. He's not working well with it because there's there's parts where it's obviously cuts. Because in one second looks like there's a puddle of drool forming, and the next time it's like fine again. It looks like it's about to start dripping down his face. I mean, just from the trailer, the one line that he speaks, you can tell that he has not been able to practice with this grill. He sounds ridiculous. He's watching the hyenas. Shiver. Like, oh my god. Oh my god. god. Oh man, there's scenes like in that. The, most, the plot itself is basically Assault on, uh, Arkham. Assault on Arkham. And even there's even parts of the porn parody that were directly ripped from Assault on Arkham. What a shock. <laughs> like the scene when she, and Harley finds the Joker, sees the Joker and starts shoot, pulls, uh, pulls a gun, pulls Deadshot's gun and starts shooting at the Joker's glass in his cell. That happens in the porn parody. Uh, Killer Frost having to ditch the team to go kill the Riddler. That happens in the porn parody. Uh, well, does she blow the Riddler in the porn parody? Yes. Well, there you go. That's the difference. Her, her, and her, and uh, Poison Ivory have a meh, meh three-way scene. It was never. It wasn't that titillating. Oh, what a shock! Because it's Axel Braun. He doesn't know what fucking titillation means. He doesn't know what eroticism fucking means. Yeah, it would. It, yeah, it wasn't working. Oh, Jesus, he's a terrible porn director. He's the terrible storyteller. Um, he used to be able to wear the title that his suits look better than the movie versions, but then the movie version suits actually started looking better. So then he just made them different and shitty and claimed they were better. Like his, yeah. like his Supergirl one or his fucking horrible Batman suit. And now he's just literally copying the movies because they are already better. Yep. But he still wins, makes awards. Well, makes awards. Wins no, awards. I bet he makes them. <laughs> he just makes up awards. Like, I won again. Well, he, he, he makes the movies, Steve, and that makes the awards. Oh, you're right. And his movies still sell well, so Wicked has no reason to tell him to, like, do anything different. Mm-hmm. So, do you end up with this shit? Uh, so what was the worst part of the movie? Joker. <laughs> I guess the ending. The ending is like Batman and Joker fucking Harley Quinn for some reason. What? That's the end of the film. They're fucking Harley Quinn. Spoilers. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> really paying everyone a huge disservice. Is it, uh, to be fair, is it as bad as the ending of, uh, like, the Dark Knight Rises porn parody where it ends with Batman's back being broken and left in a puddle while Bane fucks someone in front of Batman and then it just slowly fades to credits? Because that was my favorite I Axel mean, Braun ending. I mean, that was that's an A plus. <laughs> that's that's the kind of ending I would make for a porn. <laughs> it's a very Werner Herzog ending. Where in mean, life, life doesn't matter. It's all meaningless. Uh, so, but on to the real Suicide Squad film. Uh, it just came out last week. It's uh, burning up the box office, breaking all kinds of August records. Performing very well for a film that has a twenty six percent Rotten Tomatoes, but as we've discussed many times before, Rotten Tomatoes can go suck an egg. Seriously, I and I, I I'll, I'll say this again because this has been my biggest beef for like the last year. I feel like in the last couple years, people have put so much emphasis on Rotten Tomatoes scores when a film is bad than anything else, and even when the film's bad, it's only some films that are bad. It's only DC films. It's only a couple things here and there, like high-profile films. Like, oh, well, look at this fucking thing. But films like uh, Nine Lives, that shitty talking cat film with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. That got a, like a 9%. No one's posting about that going, look at this fucking, look at this score. Worst movie ever. It's just like, ah, ha, ha, Suicide Squad, or ha, 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 Batman v Superman. It's like, who cares? Yeah. First off, uh, there was a time, yes, in the, I guess, uh, 
more like, before the proliferation of the internet, when people cared a lot more about what critics had to say about films. Mm-hmm. But even then, people still went to movies and got their, you know, to get their own opinion. Yeah. Now we're in this age. I there was a several year gap where everyone's ignored critics and went saw everything, didn't give a shit. Now we're in this gap again where everyone's like, "Well, the critics said this." Blah, blah, blah. Like, well, who cares? Yeah. You go see the movie and form your own opinion. Because guess what? A lot of times the films that are in theaters that like are big films like Suicide Squad, like what else came out? There's Warcraft. What are those other big films that got, that got really panned this year? Um, but, you know, those types of stuff. That stuff is not meant for critics. Mm-hmm. That's not in their forte, per se. Right. You know, th- like Warcraft especially. That's a film for Warcraft fans. I'm going to care a lot more what a Warcraft fan has to say about that film than necessarily what... Mm-hmm a critic for the new york times had to say about well, it he, like my my issue with like modern film criticism and i say this as a filmmaker um no offense to any of my critics that like my movies um love you guys um <laughs> but it feels like online criticism has become a flamethrower instead of like a surgeon's knife yeah like many of the critics that uh now decry like fanboyism were a big part of the de-evolution of film criticism that led to this horrible fucking cycle of mm-hmm. where they're like instead of actually commenting on films they're literally taking fucking sides and like trying to express stuff um yeah. and it's just fucking weird and stupid uh, or we're in this period now where especially the youtube for film reviewing it's all negativity if you like the nostalgia critic like all these stuff like where it's like oh look at this bad movie let's just spend 30 minutes tearing it apart mm-hmm now, granted, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that for comedy. But the problem, it's the same thing with um, the uh, um, cinema sins or uh, honest trailers, all this stuff. There's, 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 there's. A, it's supposed to be for fun. Mm-hmm. It's not. That is not like honest trailers or cinema sins. That's not legit criticism. No, those are that, comedy that movies. Is, comedy trailers. Those are, it's, it's comedy. It's comedy video that is taking super nitpicky points out and then switch to gay laugh. Like, aha, yeah, that is kind of true. Ha-ha, the guys do that. do those for movies that they like. Like they, Usually. yeah, like I mean, they there I said that they really like Man of Steel, but their Man of Steel one was scathing in a humorous way. And of course, everyone that hated Man of Steel cling to that like it was like some sort of factual criticism. When, yeah. Well, a lot of people also don't realize that there's like a, a writing. Staff yeah, there's like 15 of them. Yeah, that write those reviews. And the thing that yeah, but people take those as legit criticism. Like, oh, they st- destroyed that movie. Yeah, but that's not legit. That's just a stupid comedy video that makes supposed to make you laugh and move on. That's not like a that's not a critical review of the film. Mm-hmm. But and I've just been noticing a lot recently where it's all about the negative. Even everything, even in life, it's like we just focus more on the negative and not positives or anything like that. But that's that's. Uh, much broader philosophical thing. This is the thing I want to get out of the way because leading, obviously, leading to this film, it means a lot because we're talking about a film that currently sits at twenty six percent Rotten Tomatoes, even though I think the audience rating is like seventy one percent. Yeah, it is. And here's and even sorry, you finish. Uh, I was gonna say, and even like the DC executives are questioning like some of the critical scores because like they're saying, yeah, the critics are hating our film, but the information we're pulling from audiences sound sounds much more favorable. Like clearly, there's a very big disconnect between the the, the, cr- the critical community and the audience. Yes. Yeah. Um, my issue with Rotten Tomatoes, uh, speaking just specifically about that website in general, is uh, twofold. One is that almost anyone can be counted as a critic on Rotten Tomatoes. Like if you just have a website of reviews, if you submit, you're included. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of fuck faces that clearly have agendas that are submitting to Rotten Tomatoes. I have reviewer friends that tell me about these guys and gals. 
So, mm-hmm. like, to, that critic tomato meter doesn't really mean much to me. I don't get it. I don't get why people care about it so much. Um, and, and as a counterexample, you have fucking Ghostbusters rating like a 70% with critics and like a 40% with audiences. You have Sharknado, which is a shit film. It should have been like Naked Gun instead they tried to make it Independence Day. That has an 82% positive on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is 33%. And yet you have Suicide Squad that has this scathing 29%, yet 71% of audiences like it. Clearly, there's a disconnect, even not including Suicide Squad. So why are these fucking people on the internet putting so much fucking, like, truth and trust in this tomato meter when it clearly doesn't fucking line up with the audiences so often? And even as you said before, you can get a certified fresh ranking at like what sixty percent. Well, sixty percent—that's like that's failing. That's not certified fresh shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's ludicrous. But uh, that that's our that's our I guess somewhat often rant on Rotten Tomatoes and online criticism that we bring up every. You know, and I'm I'm so not often. saying Rotten Tomatoes shouldn't exist. I'm just saying that I wish people put less fucking clout to that tomato meter. It's just a it's just a review aggregator site. All it is, it's like it's meant to have all the reviews there in front of you, so you can go through them and give you a general consensus of what people are saying. Not to be taken. That number at the top is not meant to be taken as the as gospel. a score. <laughs> but everyone will screenshot like, "Oh, look at this fucking movie." It's like, yeah, okay. Why why don't you see it and tell me what you think about it? Mm-hmm. But then the problem with that is like people have agendas going into films. Right, absolutely. They they will not they will not acknowledge that they have an agenda. I had an agenda going to see RoboCop, and I, I've I've said I didn't like the film, but there were some things I did like. I just didn't think that the film was in the right place, and the, the script wasn't telling the story correctly for what they were trying to do, and really missed what the heart of what made RoboCop. I didn't sit there after getting and watching and going, "Oh, this fucking piece of shit movie." Ugh. No, I, I was like I said, now I was very calm about it. I'm like, you know what, this movie just didn't hit the mark. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you know you can't separate yourself. But I think people just want to hate stuff. They want to have something to talk about because they want to be part of the community of people hating on something. Yeah. Likewise, I guess there's a I guess you I guess we're on the community of people that want to like stuff. Oh, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to like it. I just like it. Like, I'm not liking the DC movies out of some fucking agenda or something. I just genuinely like them more than what Marvel's been putting out recently. Yeah. But no, Steve, we're we're clearly a bunch of fanboys, and we're we, we we don't understand what good filmmaking is. Clearly, you know. So that's why we're going to talk about this film that we have no idea what we're talking. No about. No idea. So as we mentioned before, this week we are talking about Suicide Squad, two thousand sixteen, PG thirteen, two hours three minutes, directed by directed by and written by David Ayer. A secret government agency recruits a group of imprisoned supervillains to execute dangerous black ops missions in exchange for clemency, which inevitably leads to chaos. That's actually a really spot on fucking synopsis. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good for a uh, for the usual I am <laughs> right. I, mean, I expected to say, uh, I don't know. Uh, There's witches. A, psychi- a, a psychiatrist is in a uh, harmful relationship and seeks <laughs> seeks freedom. With what we usually get, that sounds much more on on track for IMDb fucking synopses. It, it does. <laughs> okay, so first off, um, since this is a very newer film, and a lot of people might be just tuning in to see what we generally thought about it. Uh, spoiler free. Uh, we'll give our spoiler th- free thoughts on the film and give you, uh, if we recommend it. Then we'll go into a more I- deep, like spoiler filled discussion of the film. So overall, Steve, what did you think about Suicide Squad? Um, I think that 
Uh, I'll say that my uh, a couple negatives first is that I think that the first half of the film, or the first act of the film, is kind of hard to say exactly where, uh, has some really janky editing and pacing issues. It is way too fast, there's too much going on, and I don't mean the Waller character introductions, I thought those were fine, even if the editing in those segments were a little weird at times. Um, mm-hmm. But those worked for me. It was everything else around that. It was just weird. Like, why is the movie opening on Deadshot and Harley and then cutting to Waller? Like, and then, like, the, just the way the progression was working of introducing these characters, it felt more like they were a series of webisodes than part of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, as soon as they get to the city and the real movie starts, I think everything starts working a lot better. Like, even the musical cues and stuff in that act were kind of shit. Um, but once they get to the city, everything really flows a lot better. The editing's better, the pacing's better, the character interaction and chemistry is way better. I don't, it's not force at all. I think all the characters are picture perfect. Um, great representations of the characters from the comics. Uh, they flow well, the action is great, the set pieces look visually amazing, uh, and the music cues actually got good. Like, it's like they knew how to do it, but they decided not to do it that way for the first act. Um, but overall, it's a really fun film. I think it's well-made, well-acted. There's not much to the plot, but it that doesn't have to be. Like, it's an action movie. Like, I don't recall watching Die Hard and being like, Mmm, plot was thin! Just about some guy trying to stop terrorists. Uh, what was it, that ending? Puh. Right, like, uh, Oh, am I supposed to believe that that guy survived being hung? Um, 29%. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um... Uh, so I don't know, like, why suddenly on online action summer blockbusters suddenly need to have these deep fucking thought-provoking stories. Like, it it succeeded at what it was trying to do. It wasn't trying to be more than fun. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a really fun movie. I think it's well-made overall. It does have flaws, it does have issues, but I would absolutely recommend it. And uh, I'd be willing to give my star rating now, but I'll let Bill talk first. Absolutely. Um, my first viewing, I agree with Steve on a lot of his points about the first kind of act of the film being a little choppy. But going in and actually seeing it the second time, it didn't bother me nearly as much. Oh, I agree with that. It didn't bother me as much. Like, the first time I was kind of sitting there like, uh, uh, the second time I was like, you know what? I don't, it's one of those things that don't, it just grew on me more, I, what, ha- what happened with that. But I just felt, like, more in tune with it. I do agree, like, this isn't a spoiler because the beginning of the fucking film, opening on... Harley and Deadshot right off the bat seemed kind of weird to go between going that and then jumping from the prison to Waller mm-hmm. and then going into introducing everyone like that. Fine, that felt like a little choppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. Fi- I fi- um, again, my first time, I thought the ha- first half of the film was a bit schizophrenic in its music cues, but my second viewing, I, it worked a lot better for me. I think like, the first time I was like, okay, I kind of get what Ayer is going for here, but the second time, everything just pieced in a lot better for me it's one of i don't know if it's one of those films that just grew on me more the second time i saw it and didn't bother me as much but it was definitely something i noticed my first time so i'm not you know i can disagree if anybody has a problem with that altogether i I definitely agree it it did not bother me as much the second time but since it was there the first time it warrants a mention to me it did now some of it i think the problem is that sometimes it's a little too on the nose but again i feel like that was intentional yeah a lot of people everything is intentional in this movie yeah, I think everything was intentional. A lot of people are playing the, oh, it's trying to be like Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, mm, no, not at all. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, every character, like, every little scene of the character has, like, a song to go in with it. Like, that's the background music for this little vignette. Yeah. Like, there, you usually can have a score, obviously, but a lot of stuff's like, okay, so we're seeing uh, Harley and her cell and stuff, so you don't own me. Uh, there's stuff with um, them getting all dressed up, so we have... Uh, um, 
this the Eminem uh, song. Yeah. I, forget, I forget the name of that particular one, but you know stuff. Uh, the, the the music itself all gets an A plus for me because they had they use Spirit in the Sky. Yeah. Uh, any movie, any trailer, anything that ever uses that song is an instant cl- amazing A plus to me because mm-hmm. I love that song and it's it's hardly ever used. I agree. I feel, I feel like sometimes in some people's minds it's kind of a trope song for that, but at the same time, it worked. No, no one fucking uses right. it. Like when Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out, I was pissed at every like the first couple of trailers. None of them were using Spirit in the Sky. Right. I'm like this is a like outer space like space opera like galactic shit going over, and you're using all this classic music, but you're not using fucking Spirit in the Sky. What the fuck is wrong with yeah. you? Thankfully, by, by around the time the movie came out, they did have a trailer with it. I'm like, oh, they finally figured it they out. Finally what did the fuck it. They were supposed to do. <laughs> But at the same time, like it, it wasn't in the movie. Should have been the movie. Like when they're fucking going to fight Ronan and everything. Should have been sure that fucking boom, boom, boom. It's like a tar playing and fucking Star Lord's flying around. And just, that song is great for everything. I also would not have um, minded if that was on uh, the second tape. Yes, that'd been that'd been really good when he first pops that in and starts playing yeah. it, and it starts playing it, and it goes into the credits yeah. and stuff. That's real. That'd been, that'd been great too. Hopefully that uh, that gets rectified in the. Uh, Gardens of the Galaxy Volume Two, mm-hmm. which so, is the only Marvel film I'm that. looking forward to. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm agreed. <laughs> I don't really. I, I saw the, the trailer for Doctor Strange again, and that dumb Wi-Fi joke just really pisses me off. Like, Argh! it does not make me as angry as you, but I see your point. <laughs> I was like, I just I groan like that is a dumb joke, and then I've heard people saying it's great, and I'm like, you're the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but back to Suicide Squad. Uh, so yeah, the second time around, the music didn't feel so schizophrenic to me. Um, there's some pacing issues in the first half a little bit, like it jumps around a little bit, but I do feel the introduction of the characters is a great way. We That's how we talked about way back when the film was announced. That's how you'd introduce everybody, just do quick little flashback bits about introducing each of the characters. All you need is a couple, like five minutes on each one and boom, you can get everyone introduced, everyone up to speed. Uh, my, my litmus test, my mom, my mom doesn't give a shit about superhero films to so give a shit about anything, but she went out to see Suicide Squad. And she liked it. She liked Captain Boomerang. She Fuck liked yeah. Harley. She liked Joker. She liked everybody. She got who everyone was. She dug the movie, and she knows nothing, and she liked the film. Yeah. I feel like that's going to be a lot of people, a lot of moms, who have no clue what the fuck any of this is. Good. And I'm sure they will dig it. I think uh, this is... I've seen... While the critics are scathing on this movie far harsher than Batman v Superman, um, I've seen far more general audiences talking about how much they liked it, like way more than Batman Superman. And I saw a lot of people that liked Batman Superman compared to critics. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. absolutely, Batman Superman was a movie that most people liked, regardless of what the fucking internet wants to claim. You know, like, that's also ranking at like 70% on Rotten Tomatoes audience, you know, like 7 out of 10 on IMDb. You know, like more mm-hmm. people liked it than disliked it, but with Suicide Squad, I keep fucking seeing people on Facebook in person, a bunch of people who I wouldn't have pegged to like this movie talking about how much they liked this movie. Hmm. Uh, audience, audiences agree. are having fun with this. And like you just said, yeah. Warner Brothers even said, like, there's clearly a fucking disconnect because we keep hearing a lot of positive shit. Yeah, like I, when I kind of thought this after the film, uh, I liked Sabotage that came out two years ago. That was a David Ayer mm-hmm. film. Uh, that film was kind of a mess, but it was a fun mess. Suicide Squad, kind of a mess, but it's a fun mess. Less of a mess than Sabotage, I'd say. I would say, I will say, well, I didn't think Sabotage, when I say a mess, I'm not saying a big mess. No, I'm me neither. Kind of me- I'm sorry, sorry. It's kind of a messy film. Yeah. 
I say a mess, a lot of people have been throwing around the term, like, a huge mess. And I know, I'm not saying, like, the film is a mess and, like, the severity that online critics and people online are using. I'm just mean it's a little, a little sloppy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm always trying to figure out what adjectives to use correctly here <laughs> so people get my intention. Uh, Sabotage was a really great film with Arnold and stuff, but obviously, yeah, it's a little rough around the edges. Suicide Squad is another, it's, it's just like that. If you like Sabotage, you'll probably like Suicide mm-hmm. Squad. Like, both films are still fun. It doesn't matter that there's some issue, like pacing issues here and there, music issues, some weird choices on the editing and stuff. It's still fun. And and I guess to kind of wrap up our spoiler-free thought, thoughts here, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, um, I would... Uh, I did not like Suicide Squad as much as I like Batman v Superman. I did not... Same here. I did not like it as much. It was just sad because I think for... I know at least me. I don't. I can't remember how you felt about this. I was looking forward to Suicide Squad a lot more than Batman v Superman. Me too. I was too, yeah. Now, in that regard, it still delivered on what I thought of better establishing this universe, showing that there are a lot of things going on. Batman shows up in this film doing stuff here and there it shows that there are a lot more characters in this this universe is a lot more full mm-hmm. than what we've gotten so far and it did that very quickly and i felt it did it pretty well so i, I st- that, that area of my uh expectations for the film are still delivered but i guess the whole scope of the the experience wasn't quite as what i what i i took away from batman v superman the theatrical cut and the ultimate. Yeah, I think I think Donna Justice had like more uh substances yeah well i mean the film was almost an, uh, extra another hour long which helps so. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, do you want to do uh, star ratings for the non-spoiler listeners? Yeah, sure. Because the rest is just going to be deep I, discussion anyway, so may as well just get yeah, this yeah. out of the way. Uh, my star rating. Uh, uh, this is gonna be. I'm gonna lay this out. First, first viewing of it was like that three point seven five range. So it was like a very like close, so light four stars. But after my second viewing and and, and being able to uh, dissolve, like, uh, take in the film a lot more and devour it more. Uh, it's a solid, solid four stars. Yeah, I, uh, I also, uh, even the first night, although, uh, like I said, the second viewing I liked it more, but Suicide Squad is very solid four out of five stars for me. By comparison, I gave Don Justice Ultimate Cuts a five out of five. Uh, same yeah. here. Uh, my theatrical cut Don Justice was a four and a half. The ultimate cut pushed it up to a yeah, five. Yeah, exactly the same. So yeah, so still, Suicide Squad to me is still a really good movie. Overall, a very good movie with some issues. It could have been better, but it's still really good. Four out of five. Yes, yes. Uh, so, uh, like with most things, sometimes when I say don't worry, don't bother seeing it, this one I would say at least see it once. Yeah, definitely at least see it once. If you're thinking about it, if you're considering it, definitely see this once. Especially in theaters, because it's such a fun ride. It is, and it's also an IMAX. So that's, yeah, that's just go see it in IMAX. Easy peasy. Easy, easy peasy. Okay, we're going to... Uh, Take off the seatbelt here, rev up the engine, go a little crazy. Vroom, let's climb in the bad Ooh, whole lot of chit-chat going on in this podcast. Hope nobody gets hurt. Oh, Jesus I got this grape soda on ice that I'm sipping on. Haka, haka, haka. Grape soda on ice is my favorite Joker line ever. This here's Katana! Can we say more weird lines out of context? Yes. <laughs> Uh, so here is there's our spoiler three, uh, spoiler free, free, not three, spoiler free discussion of Suicide Squad. Over. Uh, Jared Leto was pretty cool. He's a cool guy. I, our notes, it says deep discussion. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's get deep in this let's discussion. Get, yeah, let's get deep. Okay, spoilers are starting to get a bit flung, so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want it spoiled, turn off the podcast now, still rate us five. Uh, SilverSpotlightFilms.com. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, so let's start talking about the actual uh, spoilers and shit. So, we expected Enchantress to be the villain from fucking day one, right? Like, that was yeah, not absolutely. that was not a surprise. No. I did not expect to see her brother in it. No, I was But he was just the muscle anyway and pretty fucking lame. Mm-hmm. But I thought Enchantress was super fucking effective. I don't understand everyone saying, like, she was lame as a villain. Like, I will like, concede that she didn't do much, but she had more personality, she had more, um, ferocity, she had more effectiveness, and she had more actual threat level than most of the fucking Marvel villains have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she looked fucking great, whether she was in her, like, uh, god mode or her super creepy swamp mode. I thought she worked yeah. really well. I did too. I felt it was a perfect villain for this film. Agreed. Like, the... Every, like the people were complaining about the finale of the film or complaining about the weakness of the villain. I'm like, well, this is just a ragtag group of just super villains doing a weird black ops. Well, first, it's a black ops mission to rescue a, a man. Yeah, they weren't meant to take Enchantress it, out. They were just meant for extraction. And then it just kind of turned into, say, actually, okay, fuck it, let's save the world. Let's, let's do our thing. And I felt that was a perfect thing for them. It didn't need to be something more complex. It didn't need to be something, I don't, I mean, I know this is another case of, oh no, the fate of the world's in, at stake. That's fine. But it felt, it still felt smaller. <coughs> like it was still just taking place in one building. It wasn't like a lot of these summer blockbuster superhero films where there's a big hole in this, this is specific, I guess I'll go to Avengers because Avengers is like the biggest trope of this. Big hole in the sky, big things coming down, destroying buildings, destroying tons of collateral damage, all this. Nope, it just takes place inside a, inside a train station. Uh, I will uh, concede to the criticism that, uh, and people that have brought this up as a criticism have also said that it's not just Suicide Squad, multiple superhero films suffer from this, that the big threat is a blue light in the sky. And that's yep. yeah, blue light. And that's sky, totally yes, yes. fair. That is a totally fair criticism. I agree, but I loved everything else. It was actually some cool magic. Yeah, over. yeah. Let's talk about that. Fucking Marvel introducing Thor and t- pussyfooting around. Oh, it's not magic. It's just technology. It's not magic, guys. It's not magic. Fucking DC's third movie is like magic, bitches. Even Doctor Strange is not outright saying it's yeah, magic. Yeah, nothing is seeming like it's magic. It's like interdimensional stuff. This is straight yeah. up fucking magic. Yeah, straight up magic, and I always thought that was pretty cool. I and I, I some people have this is I don't know, it's, it's kind of campy, but it was campy in a positive. Uh, how um, uh, what's her name here? Don't have an actress's name. Um, man, she is very far down on this <laughs> list for, for playing the enchantress, which is the main villain. But IMDb is and she did so great. Kind of fucked up, by the way. Uh, yeah, Kara uh, Delevingne. Kara Delevingne playing the Enchantress. Um, I really liked how she was moving when she was standing up there talking to them. Like she was clearly had it, 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 a couple of things. It looked it looked like okay. There's obviously some stuff going on with her. Yeah. Like it's almost that feeling like there's obviously two people in that body. Mm-hmm. Like we have uh, June Moon and the Enchantress. But it's also the same time, it's like she's also still trying to cast and conjure this machine that's going to destroy the As world. As she's talking to them. And casting yeah, and spells thought, on them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I and I thought her uh, voice, I thought the modulation on her voice was pretty It bad. was red and as the fuck. Look, the the look, the, the lighting of the eyes, everything. I thought uh, that was a pretty cool, intimidating villain. She was super intimidating. I thought she was great. It was great to have a fantastic, intimidating female villain, which, as I've said before, not from, like, gender issue point of view, just I like female villains a lot. <laughs> and she was a great female villain. 
Pretty I bad. would be terrified. Out especially of when she went to like full heart of darkness. Oh mode my god! And just fucking just beating the shit out of her. Just keeps teleporting. She shows up with swords for some reason. Like she can clearly kill them in a heartbeat, but she's playing with them. Yes, and then she's like, "Okay, you know, what? you you you, you impressed me. I'll, I'll give you mercy if you bow before yeah. me." Just immediately That's taking like... all their weapons away, just like that, just showing how fucking strong she really is. Yeah, just letting them get some hits on to feel important, but really they're, they're fucked. They can't yeah. do shit. But that was pretty cool. Uh, so backing up, uh, I guess, uh, you want to talk about the characters of the film, since that's kind of the, the bulk of the heart. The heart of the film is the characters, yeah, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, let's just let's get into the characters, because they're clearly the spotlight. They're clearly the driving force of this film. Because the plot is thin, like I said, but not in a bad way to me. So there's not too much we can talk about in the plot. No, absolutely. So let's just let's focus on each character. Let's just go down the list. Uh, you already typed it up because we already discussed that we were going to talk about this, even though we're making it sound like we just came up with this idea. Uh, improv. Improv. <laughs> Aha. So, uh, you know, this is this is Deadshot, guys, Steve. Let's talk about that Deadshot guy. Uh, Deadshot was the one character I didn't know what to think of uh, because Will Smith oftentimes just plays Will Smith. Um, he, I, I never thought that he was going to be like the weakest link, but I thought that I was going to care about him the least because it would be so Will Smithy. And not too much mm-hmm. dead shoddy. Uh, but Will Smith, this is the best movie Will Smith has acted in in fucking years. Oh, this man. is one of his I best roles agree. that he's ever fucking done. Like, yeah. he was phenomenal as Deadshot. Phenomenal. Agree. He, he, Agree. he got, he was cold hearted when he needed to be. There's still some of that Will Smith sarcastic humor stuff, but mm-hmm. it wasn't overbearing like it is in other films. No. And it made sense here. Yes, it was, it was super. Yes, uh, Will Smith charisma is coming in at full force, and this is clearly the first role he has not sleepwalked through in several yeah. years. I think After Earth was his last like big high profile thing. A concussion aside, concussion was not a high profile film. Sorry, but After Earth was his like last big thing, and he was just like sleepwalking through that film. He turned down Independence Day two in order to do Suicide Squad, and he absolutely made the right decision. I did too. He was great. He was this great in this. Best, best job. Best thing he's done. And for a long you know time. he's got all that sweet money now because they're gonna bring Deadshot back. You know, like whether it's Suicide Squad two or like a Bat movie or something. Like he's gonna get more money to be Deadshot, and it's a character he clearly liked to be. I mean, he mm-hmm. said in interviews like he had a lot of fun doing this. Like they really became a family on this set, um, and he was just so excited to play a character that didn't give a fuck. And that's this character. Yeah, he could play the villain. Um, the the sh- the first scene of this movie that really made me get out of my seat, not including the Flash cameo, which holy <laughs> shit, I did not expect that, and that made me so happy. Yeah. Um, was Deadshot wiping out the entire wave of mooks on his own with his arm guns as everyone just stopped shooting and watched him? Yeah, the anger took over. He just had to dish out justice and judgment. Like that, yeah. That's that's when he really won me over as Deadshot. That's what, like, that shot, that entire sequence, me watching it, I was just like, okay, Will Smith is Deadshot, absolutely, one thousand percent, no question. Totally. Uh, Him with his daughter was great. Yes. And the scene with him and Batman. Yeah, that's what I say. I wanted like Deadshot can bring in like Batman a bit here because Batman was also in this film, of course. And I love the scenes of that. I like how again it made this universe feel big and full. Like, hey, where's where? where we what's what, we know Batman exists. Where's Batman? And then like, no, Batman's here. Batman's exists. It's like unlike some of the, this is gonna be a comparison to Marvel films because it's inevitable. Like some of the Marvel films, you're sitting there wondering like, where's Iron Man? Right. 
Where's Iron Man during like during a, a Winter Soldier? All this shit's going down. Where's Iron Man? Where where's uh where's Thor? Yeah. Where's Hulk? Where's Hulk? Where's Hawkeye. where's anybody? Where's yeah? Where's Hawkeye especially? Where's everybody at? All this shit like oh Tony, we're having trouble in DC. Can you come here real quick? Okay, thanks. Bye. One phone call would have done you helped you helped a lot. Suicide nope. Squad. They're in Gotham. Where's Batman? Oh, he's actually right there. <laughs> yeah. When they're talking about how they, how'd you catch Deadshot? Well, a little a little call to one man and God. Yeah, I just I just uh, passed along the information. Uh, and it's such a sh- it's a short, effective scene. It's just like, don't make me do this in front of your daughter. Like, holy yeah. shit, that's such a badass sentence to hear from Batman. You know, because <laughs> it's and it it was a very genuine you know, showing too. that. <laughs> yeah, showing that post Superman that I think it also sheds light that this Batman is a lot a lot less. Br- ruthless now because it's implied before maybe he maybe he wouldn't have been so uh good in front of uh dutch absolutely daughter. but now he's like now he has more hope and he's more i guess mm, lenient in a way he's, like, he's back like, to the old batman yeah he doesn't he doesn't like beat the fuck out of Deadshot. he's like no here because you know. that's the thing a lot of people i feel still miss in donna justice is that batman's character arc is that he used to be the batman in the comics he felt powerless and got angry and became brutal and then superman's like hopefulness brought him back, and he realized the error of his ways. Yeah. Um, so we're back to that Batman. We're back to the Batman that pulls out the handcuffs and turns Deadshot into the authorities instead of breaking his neck and branding him. Yeah, presumably that, that might have been what happened pre-Superman uh, dying. So I thought, I thought he was pretty cool. Uh, did all the right stuff. Had a good character arc throughout the film and Still, uh, by the end of the film, you know, he's still, he's still Deadshot. It's not like he's gonna he's some super good guy now, wrong his ways yeah. and not not stop being a serial you know murderer that kills people for money. Yeah, a lot of people who keep on being like, oh, why, why would Deadshot care about saving the world? He's a sociopath. Like he because he wants a world for his daughter. Like it's yeah. pretty fucking obvious. Like I I don't need to perform mental gymnastics to understand why this father doesn't want the world to die. Plus, how else would uh. he make money? Like yeah. a, a lot of these, a lot of people keep on bringing up, and this is slightly getting out of our character um, dialogue, but I forgot to bring That's it up fine. earlier. That's a lot fine. of people keep on that are, that have complaints about the film. One of the things they keep complaining about is why do these villains care about saving the world? And it's like very few villains want to destroy the world. Like, do you know? No, they just want to control the world. Yeah, they want they want money, they want power, they don't want to end the fucking world. Like, do you know how often in the comics villains fight against other villains because they're uh, plans are way more nefarious by comparison. You know, Lex Luthor has fought alongside Superman. Um, how yeah. often has the, have the rogues been the protectors of Central City because the Flash was gone? Like, this is not a new concept. Now, a lot of these villains, like, they're criminals. Don't get me wrong, they're bad guys, as was said a thousand times in the marketing, um, which is fine. Um, but yeah. they aren't, like, blind, like, chaotic evil. Like, the the Joker yeah. wouldn't care about saving the world, don't get me wrong, but everyone else is just like, well, if the world's gone, how are we going to have fun? How are we going to do what we do? Like, they, they work yeah. in the world. Of course they would like to save it, as opposed to letting it a witch destroy it. I don't understand why that's such a hard concept to grasp for so many people. Well, you know, people don't see movies, they just hear they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, so, uh, moving along... Um... Yeah, Harley Quinn, which is a big deal. That we get to see Harley Quinn in the film. A lot of people were excited about that. Uh, portrayed by Marco Robbie, and uh, she was fantastic. Uh, yeah, I thought she was pretty damn I, good. I do. Uh, as a criticism, I will say that Margot lost her accent a few times. 
Like, kept yeah, but she's also she's also Australian. Working with an Australian. So she has to go to English and then more specifically be like New Jersey. Jersey, New York sort of deal. Yeah. So I don't blame her, but I will say that like that shouldn't have made the final cut necessarily. Yeah, Joel Kinnaman also had issues with that oh, as I'm well. Sure. With sometimes dropping the southern accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was one of those. Now, I never noticed it. It wasn't bad. Hard, it sorry. never took me out of the movie, but I noticed it. It's well, I don't know. I've, I, I'm sometimes really bad with catching that stuff. Sometimes, yes, it is really bad and really noticeable. This is one of those cases where it's something I just I didn't notice. So I guess it wasn't that. That bad. being said, that's my only criticism because otherwise she was a perfect representation of Harley. Yeah, I thought she was pretty funny. Pretty she was funny. funny so she I, was crazy. She was capable. Like yes. again, bringing up uh, Margot Robbie's uh, point that she said on like the bonus features for Batman Superman is that you know there's this strong female character that's actually kind of a big deal in movies, which I fully admit. You know there is like a representation issue in Hollywood. You know that is that is a fact. Um, mm-hmm. but like the movie isn't about ooh Harley's the the tough girl. You know she's a woman that don't need no man. Like that's not the point. She's just a very capable member of this team that can. That's such a good fighter that she's able to hold herself against the Batman. Yeah. Well, not to mention the film itself is a very uh, multicultural, multi-ethnic cast. Yes. I mean, you have you know white actors, black actors, Asian actors. You know, they, you know all, all the whole gambit and from people of either different skin color, different nationalities. It's all you know. It's a pretty well represented film. I don't see anybody talking about no, that. No, of course not. Can't talk about that. Everyone's like, oh my god, Ghostbusters this, but it's like, okay, well here's a film that you know has a, a ton pretty, of representation, you know, diverse, di- diverse cast. Yeah, but it's not all women, Bill. <laughs> well, no, it's because it's that's not part of the agenda, so nobody cares, and that's what drives me nuts. <laughs> um, but anyway, back to Harley. Yes, uh, I thought the, uh, yeah, there was some criticism, some criticism about her being too much of a, I don't know, eye candy sex Yeah, so is Harley in the comics. Yeah, I was gonna say, so is Harley in the comics. So is Harley in the show, like in the animated series when she first showed up. She was saying, come on, rev up your Harley, she's trying to fuck. I like, that's, that's just what Harley is. Harley's been using her sexuality to her advantage her entire character history, and anyone complaining about that just is a fan of the character based on pictures they've seen. And what they think they've seen. I think a lot of people will definitely push a lot of anger at the, at the character Harley Quinn is because they're the same people that get really mad at cosplayers. And Harley Quinn's obviously a a fan favorite character that gets cosplayed Mm -hmm. a lot. So I think people will push a lot of that anger towards them, and then people, Doing that whole thing of, but they're not real fans. Like, Who gives, gives a, a shit? Here, uh, here's what all I care about if I see you cosplaying a character. Do you know their name? Okay, we're good. <laughs> the yeah, only thing that will make me annoyed is if you're cosplaying as something you don't even know what it is. That's the only time. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't care if you know their backs. I don't care. As long as you, you, know, you know who you are, okay, cool. That's fine. You, you clearly saw it, thought that looked cool, and wanted to dress up. I That's support it. that. <laughs> That's cool. That's no different than the kid on fucking Halloween. Right. Hey, I'm Batman. What do you know about Batman? Whoa, whoa, are you a fan of Batman? I'm not giving you any candy. I'm, I'm, I'm five. You, yeah, you're not a fucking fan. <laughs> you little shit. He's a dog shit. Bet you don't even know. I bet you don't even own a Detective Comics number twenty-seven. <laughs> you fuck. Um, Jesus Christ, this is a great episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know we're shitting on kids and people that it's don't. Fantastic. Watch fuck kids that dress like Batman. This is a shit. Um. Harley! Let's talk about the good stuff of Harley in this movie. Um, I liked, I was shocked and f- flabbergasted in the best way possible that she wore her Jester outfit. Yeah, that was definitely one of the flashbacks. I thought that, that was, was really super cool. cool. Looked great, and that was, cl- that was super homage to like that Alex Ross 
iconic art. Um, mm-hmm. It looked great. Um, the suit looked fantastic. I gotta give a ton of credit to Margot Robbie. She's almost falling into character actor territory for me because I don't recognize her in the different films. I know, right? Like in this film, even in this film, between when she's Mar- uh, Harley Quinn and Doctor Quinzel, totally different, radically different, and she looks radically different. I think the last film I saw her in was in Wolf of Wall Street. And she looks way different than she did in that. Completely film. agreed. And I guess she was also in Tarzan, but from I, I I didn't see the film, but I guess from trailers, I didn't really. I kept forgetting she was in the fucking Avenger <laughs> too. I mean. Like I don't, I know, I know you don't normally hear this when it comes to female actresses or actors. Sorry, um, but I, she's definitely falling to character actor territory for me, where she's definitely keeps like falling into the roles, and I really have a hard time like realizing, oh yeah, it's Margaret, which Rocky. I think is great. I think it that's... is really great because you don't really get that with female actors. Usually, it's male actors that are character mm-hmm. actors. Female actors, female actors either given more prominent roles or they're meant to stay in one look, like always look like this. Yeah. And I can't say so much about Cara De- uh, Delevingne because she hasn't really been in anything. Right, seen. right, right. But good on her. I mean, we'll get to her character. Sorry, I'll shut up about that. Um, <laughs> but Harley. Harley is cool. I guess there's some shots where it looks like she might have had other like, nods to other costumes and stuff that weren't used in the film. Like maybe there's some nods to her um, New 52 costume. Yeah, her box is full of other suits, which I think was a nice yeah, touch. That, that was really cool. Uh, I like her chemistry with all the characters. Uh, I especially yes. like her in Deadshot because, again, it wasn't... Assault on Arkham, <laughs> but yeah. uh, there was definitely like a closer relationship with those two than the rest of the team, and I always like that. Yeah, she cl- there's a, it also has a precedent and other stuff, so it's not like it was. Oh no, yeah, it's not forced at all. Characters like which are kind of the leads of the team, which is fine because they're two most recognizable characters slash like actors playing the characters. And it's and it's and again, like I like Harley's relationship with all the characters because this is a, a character where like in this universe, all she has had is Mister J. Um, yes. I, you know, like, we can assume that maybe she's also had relationships with Ivy and, like, other Gotham characters, but, like, not a family outside of the Joker. Mm-hmm. And, like, she finally yeah. gets that, and you can tell it's something that she's not used to. Mm-hmm. And she's also, uh, I guess this is a quick flash, she's also an accomplice in the murder of Robin. Yes. That was a little, like, really quick little thing mm-hmm. in the film. Which I thought was cool. Apparently uh, one of the no, uh, deleted seems... lines of Batman when he captures Harley is, uh, Joker took something precious from me, now it's my turn. That's, that's a great good. fucking line. <laughs> um, that's pretty cool. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Her trying to cut Batman after crashing through a car. So Harley. <laughs> oh, totally. It was so funny. I saw a lot of people criticizing that Batman punches her. But, you know, and you know, everyone, that, both times I saw, saw that scene, people in the theater laughed. Yeah, ditto. Like, it's clearly meant to be a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and she's also a bad guy. So, of course, Batman And she's her. trying to kill him and looks terrifying and then punch yeah. Again, like, oh no, uh, Batman treated a villain like a villain. <laughs> so, I thought she was great, great, uh, great part of the throughout the film. Great little moments. Great uh, way she kind of resolves the, the in the climax of the film by being the one to be like, uh, yeah, I'll bow to you, and then she takes the sword and cuts out a enchanted um, heart. Oh, my! Fa- I'm gonna do a favorite moment for all the characters. My favorite Harley moment is when uh, Gribbs or Gibbs or whatever the security guard's name is. Uh, he says, like, mm-hmm. yeah, here's the phone for Mr. J. You're going to tell him you- I took care of you, right? Ha <laughs> ha, you are so screwed. <laughs> oh, no shit. <laughs> Just such a great, and there's no conclusion to that, but you can infer what you want, and what you can infer is all you need to infer. Mm-hmm. So good. Totally agreed on that. Oh, also, I really like the scene after she thinks Joker is dead, because when she gets mm-hmm. back to the crew, she pretends like everything's honky-dory, and there's a lot of subtle cues where... Even the rest of the team knows that's not the case. 
Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Like a lot of there's a lot of good character moments between the team and like them coming together as like you know family. Where like you know they even when Deadshot is supposed to kill Harley and he's like I missed, and then Boomerang's like good good yeah. job mate. Like they're all like all like com- the camaraderie is totally mm-hmm. together. People are like, oh, why are, are they friends? Captain- like because they're in this shit situation together. That's what happens. Yeah, and even when they they have the opportunity and they could all just leave and Boomerang bolts, he still comes back. He's like, oh shit, like I got to do the yeah. right thing. But, uh, so, I forgot to put this on the list for you, Steve, but it makes sense to move on into it. Uh, the most controversial thing about this film, Jared Leto's Joker. Oh, he's all messed up, you know? He's damaged. Damaged. Damaged goods. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, let's talk about Jared Leto's Joker. Um, I walked into it expecting to not like it, and it may be my favorite movie Joker. Uh, second to Cesar Romero. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd say my favorite, but here's my caveat. This is well known that there's some stuff cut from this film. Uh, David Ayer said there's about 10 minutes cut from the film. Now, Jared Leto says there's a lot more. So who knows? I'll go off what David Ayer says. David Ayer is the director. He's the one being public about this stuff. I think if I had more footage... I, I do Joker, need more than I, eight I, minutes. Yeah, I, my, my opinion is this feels like I can't give a full... My, my full my full views on it, because I feel like I'm not seeing yeah, enough. Yeah, I completely agree on that. Now, what I did say I liked... I thought he still portrayed someone who was complete, completely off his fucking rocker. I thought the tattoos worked pretty well. He had the, the, the mouth, the laughing mouth The laughing mouth, mouth on his, on his hand, hand is my favorite just, tattoo. I thought that was pretty cool. I guess David Ayer came out and kind of talked about the damage thing, saying he tattooed damage on his head because Batman is the reason he wears the grill, which I think we all... We, you know, I know you and me both totally assumed yeah. that. That Batman, he obviously beat the fuck out mm-hmm. of his mouth. like, And he just knocked his teeth out. So I'm not, uh, the da- and even though the damage isn't that prevalent, like it's not that. It's noticeable very unnoticeable in the, in the film, honestly. I, but again, the the first image they showed was him holding his hair up, doing the fucking ah, yeah. like face, and I that that that. It didn't make the best already first taint, impression. It, taint, it yeah, it tainted everyone's like first impression of the character, and I think that was that that was what hurt it the most. But I th- and what pe- what people were thinking or expecting about it. My mom, I liked think it, it works. I mean, I. I it's hard to say this because, again, we had eight minutes, but based on what I saw, this honestly feels like the craziest Joker we've had in a movie. Uh, it feels mm-hmm. like the most unhinged Joker, the most psychopathic. Um, he was the hardest Joker to read. Like, the entire scene when he's talking to the guard, which is cut down from the trailers, obviously. But that entire yeah. sequence, or the sequence with him and the random gang member... Oh, Common? He's playing a gang yeah. member? Yeah. Uh, I like, that but scene like a lot. in both those scenes, like uh, you don't know what's going in on in the Joker's mind, and I like that so much. Like with Jack Nicholson Joker, it's clear what he's fucking doing. Oh yeah, he's all he's out there. It's all he's wearing his emotions on his yeah, sleeve. Yeah, uh, with Heath, he's consistently just manipulating people, but it's obvious that he's manipulating mm-hmm. people. Well, I mean, to the audience, not like in terms of the story, it worked. But with yeah. Leto's Joker, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know what he's doing. But in a good way, like... Yeah, totally. I wanted to specifically talk about that. The first introduction scene with him, really, when he's in the club with Harley and stuff. I really like how he's talking to Common, he's doing this stuff, but then Common says, calls Harley, like, oh, man, she's a bad bitch. And you kind of see this, like... Twitch. Somewhat go off yeah. and let it, let it, and like the Joker's head, let his Joker's head. And then he's like... Uh, and he's. And I think this is also showing the kind of weird of relationship they have, where it's like everyone kind of, where he's like, "Ah, oh, here, here, you can have, I have my girl," and then Common's like, "No, no, no, she's yours." And then you clearly that's like again snapping in the Joker, and he's like, "What? She ain't, she ain't good enough yeah. for you? 
she, like he like you already already called her a bad bitch. You already started saying stuff about her. Even you know, it's even like most people can interpret it as like, oh no, he's complimenting Harley. Joker's like, no, what the fuck did yeah. you say? You know, he's not saying that outright, but he's like, it's a lot of that's what's going on in the scene. And I thought that's how I was interpreting the tensions. And that's and I'll, even like, the thing I keep saying like, here Harley, you belong to this song. <laughs> Like even like he's still doing very. Joker it's things. so like, Joker, people, yeah. Like really, really shitting on that. I'm like no, that's very. He Joker. is. This is. This reminds me so much more of the actual comics or even the animated series Joker, um, than Heath Ledger or Jack Nicholson did. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's better or worse. You know, I'm not going to knock people that prefer Jack or that prefer Heath because they're all very different interpretations of the character. But this yeah. is so comic book Joker the entire fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think this is a bad Joker, and I'm not saying, like, the design, like, I'm still, I can accept people being like, I don't like this design, that's fine. But, like, if you hate the the personality of Joker in this, I don't know what the fuck you want. It's like people complaining about Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2, like, that's the character! <laughs> I don't know what you yeah. expect. Because this is so, like, it's so fucking Joker the entire time. Now, between the hunka hunka hunka, between... Um, him driving away from Batman and leaving Harley behind, um, all the dialogue, uh, between him and the doctor, like, hey, this looks neat. Stab. Uh. Or, uh, this bird is baked. This bird is baked. Uh. Uh, the, the shot of him laughing with the machine gun in the suit. One of the best shots of the Joker we've ever had. It's very good. Mm. I liked it quite a lot. Yeah, I, I, I really I liked the Jack Joker. Nicholson's Joker... Pulled a, like a three foot long pistol out of his pants. <laughs> to be fair, that's really joking. That's really that was really my good. balloons. Uh, my balloons. Yeah, I mean, like I need more than eight minutes, but honestly, based on the eight minutes that I got, I did really like Jared Leto's Joker a lot. I'm down to see more. Down to see more. Yeah, I want to see more. And like I said, it's pretty clear that he's in Justice League because he was in London yeah, in full really Joker so. makeup. So yeah, I'm down for that. <laughs> I want to see him and Batman. So... Just him and Batman. Yeah, that'd be great. And I'm sure we'll get him when they do when uh, Ben Affleck does his solo Batman, which uh, may take place entirely in Arkham Asylum. That that's that's a safe bet. I mean, that's a really safe story it's to go super with, safe. You know? Just do Dread, except with Batman. That yeah. Also have have Carl totally. Urban appear in it as Dread. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Joker, uh, big big win for me. Now, I was not expecting I a big so. win, but it ended up being a big win for me. <clears throat> also, I thought it was interesting uh, so then... they made the relationship between him and Harley not abusive. Which I'm not a fan of, but this is just a different interpretation where it's much more of a psychotic, symbiotic relationship. Yeah, totally. And you know, there's there's, there's hints and pieces there, but you know, it's a, you don't have to have outright him meet, like even in the animated series, even in the comics, he's not always just like smacking her around and treating her like yeah. garbage. I mean, you can have there's what we see is are fine. And I guess there's some cut footage, or maybe he was a he bit was, more yeah. like when the helicopter, like he pushes her out, not necessarily like dumps her to save her. That type I of do. Stuff. I would have preferred like a combination because like, I like him pushing her out to save her, but I also like how he shows back up near the end. And when he, ref- and when she refuses to join him, cause she has to help her friends, he throws a grenade and tells them all to go fuck off. But then he comes back and saves her anyway. Yeah. I, I, that one scene with them at the, the train station would have been really, I would, wish they would have kept that in. But you know, so well, hopefully maybe they'll, maybe they'll, they'll be on the the Blu-ray, so we can at least see yeah. the scene. Uh, so moving on to the kind of the linchpin of the film is uh, Viola Davis's performance as Amanda. Oh, I'm Waller. talking about the Task Force X initiative. I uh, Viola Davis, Amanda Waller. This film, amazing. I am so happy she played Amanda Waller. Jesus Christ. 
Like, if all you know about Amanda Waller is from the Green Lantern movie, you need to see this film. <laughs> oh man, this this Amanda Waller would fucking break that Amanda Waller <laughs> in, in half, half and eat her for Jesus lunch. Jesus Christ! This I have always been a huge fan of Amanda Waller that doesn't give a fuck about anything, and this Amanda mm-hmm. Waller looks at an army of I fucking Lovecraftian monsters, and so she grabs a machine gun and shoots them. Doesn't give a fuck. Enchantress outright is threatening her, and she's like, do your fucking worst, bitch. Fucking yeah. Batman shows up, and she's just like, you should stop working nights. Like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> well, even, man, everything about her. Like, when they're, uh, when they go to rescue her, she kills everyone working there, and it's like, they weren't clear, they weren't for, clear this. for this. She just doesn't give a shit, pulls a gun, shoots them all, as soon as the drives are wiped. That's a mean lady. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and we're the villains. <laughs> right? Uh, it's so, and fucking everyone's just standing up and saying, like, hey, let's just kill her now before she can hit those buttons, and then we can leave. Katana gets ready to murder everyone. Wallace's response, I got this. It's like, Jesus Christ. Uh, I want this Amanda Waller to be in everything forever. <laughs> oh, yeah, she fucking ruled. Cold, ruthless, heartless. You don't cross the wall. Oh, no. This is the wall. This is the wall. Yeah. Full force. Uh, every scene. Perfect. Like, perfection. Yeah, I totally. believe that uh, no one would fuck with Amanda Waller. No, absolutely <laughs> not. And nor, and you shouldn't either. Motherfuckers. And then uh, with her was kind of her, like, right-hand, like, military liaison in this whole thing was Rick Flagg, played by Joel Who Kinnaman. I expected to be boring just because he's not one of, like, the villains, and I ended up loving him. I thought he was a pretty cool character. And, you know, this is going back to Robocop. Uh, Joel Kinnaman was not very good at no, Robocop. No, he was not. And most things I've seen him in, he has not been very good in. Like another actor on this list. <laughs> yep. To. Uh, but he was really good. He was very personable, very charismatic, and I thought he was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed him as Colonel I liked Black. him a lot. I think he did very well as a military guy, and I really liked his relationship growing with the rest of the team. You know, at, at first totally. it's totally like, you all can go fuck yourself. And by the end, he's like... He, Starting with, like, Sedonos, the dead shot, just like, hey, we fucking did it, good job, bro. You know, instead of, like, contempt, mm. up until him sitting down at the bar with them, straight up, like, crying over what's happening, and just breaking his device and being like, you can all go if you want, but I really need your help, guys. Like, I, I need you on this! Uh, it was really, it really fucking good. And, like, stopping the guards from just chaining up Deadshot as he's with his daughter. Like, subtle little cues like that. Yeah. <laughs> I promised these men I would not kill them. <laughs> Um, uh, I yeah, I really liked uh, the first dialogue between uh, Flag and Deadshot when he uh, did the shooting range. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, her stepdad is out. He's out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole, everything, every, all the interaction between Will Smith and Joel Kinnaman really was really good. good. That's some good chemistry with each other. I really enjoyed those. Yeah, everything was great. And then obviously, even the emotional moments with, with uh, June Moon. Oh yeah, yeah obviously because. They, which we'll get to Enchantress after this, but like they clearly have a relationship. That's Amanda Waller is using him to control her and using her to control him. Like a whole like mixing of controlling because that's Amanda Waller. And I thought that was all that. So he was able to do that range of being like funny stuff. You know, the the pure terror on his face when Enchantress shows him like June dead. And he's just like, the gun's mm-hmm. down, phone's down. Just pure fear of this monster that's in like his girlfriend. Yeah. And still totally. killing Enchantress at the end. Oh, that was yes. that's that's what I wanted. Like the entire time, it's just this buildup of like, oh, he won't be able to do it. Someone else will do it for him. He's just like, nope. Flag promised. 
Yeah, I, I, that was a really, I, I really liked that character moment because that's when he told June he would do. Like if it came between her and and the Enchantress and all this stuff, he's like, he would do it. And she's like, you don't have the balls. He took took that heart and just tore, tore it, up. it up. It was great. I love that. It was a really cool scene. Really good. Really good. They stayed true to the mm-hmm. character. I really liked that. So speaking of Flag, we'll move on to Enchantress. Now, we kind of mentioned her a bit in the overview as the villain. Uh, I enjoyed the performance. It's not, you know, obviously it's not quite the comic version, but I think what they decided to go with here worked pretty well it's for It worked super in well, film. in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, so I, th- I, I it wasn't sure cool. what to think of the actress at first when she was just being June. But, I mean, that's because of the character. You know, June is very timid, very, like, one-dimensional sort of thing, like, um, but as soon as she was Enchantress, th- I mean, that's how she got her fucking role in those auditions, was being Enchantress. Like, the way she crawls, she's fucking creepy at everything she does. Uh, my favorite Enchantress moment is touching the dude in the Pentagon. <laughs> Please don't touch me. <laughs> I lost my shit. I could have watched that for an additional five solid minutes. Yeah, I like the 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 um, visual differences. Like June Moon is obviously hair pulled tight back, makeup like very like uh, non flattering clothes. Yeah. She's an archaeologist. Yeah, flattering clothes. Yeah, she's she's dressed very prim proper everything. But when you get to Enchantress, she's like very like dirty. Like she has a very revealing outfit on. Like even though she's still covered mm-hmm. in mud and like all this like black and grime and stuff. So it's it's very cool parallels between the two the two entities. I I love how when you first see her, how they do the the hand, oh my, the hand coming through, then terrifying. I thought that was pretty cool. So yeah, and I know we kind of talked more about the plans and what she does in the film, but overall, I enjoyed Enchantress. Yeah, I thought she was great, and like I said, I like her as dirty mode and God mode because God mode is also intimidating. The voice, like you said, the voice modulation is great. It's not overdone. Um, it's just it's intimidating. Her. Uh, what she does to, like, throw in the face of all the fucking, uh, squad members to, like, show them their deepest... Oh my god, speaking of, forgot to say Harley, her vision of her- of Joker (laughs) being a husband that works in an office was the most unexpected, funniest fucking thing I've seen in a long time. Some good poetry there, too. She said earlier in the bar scene, normal is a setting in a washing machine. When they go to her, like, her vision of what she dreams of her life being, it's her to normal. (laughs) Yeah, then we could see Jared Leto out of makeup just as oh, a normal my, guy. I, I thought that was pretty mind. funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. Which when which that other that entire sequence will tie into another character yeah, we'll wh- talk after this next character, which was the character I think we are both looking forward to the most. Oh in my the god! Film, and that was Captain. I Boomerang. am a huge fan of Captain Boomerang. Bill is a huge fan of Captain Boomerang. We like we love the Rogues. Um, we do not yes. love Jai Courtney. No, Jai Courtney has not been in very very good. He films. is not a good actor. But in this, he became a really good actor. <laughs> he had charisma and personality. So Boomerang is useless in this movie. And I say that with endearing love, because even with that in mind, every shot Boomerang was in, I was giddy as fuck. Because he's so oh, he hilarious. hilarious and charismatic. He's such a piece of shit, and that's what Digger should be. Yes. Um, his, from his intro sequence, where we get to see him fu- see the Flash for the first time, Oh man, that entire sequence too, where it's obviously uh, robbing the place. We're gonna be rich. It's like uh, this yeah, you and me, mate, and then lightning. Yeah, kills the guy. It's like don't honor month thieves, huh? And like, yeah, you see the lightning and him bust in. I'm like, oh, oh, I lost my shit. That was so cool. 
And then we don't see him again until he's like dropped off the airport and like a bag and he's like unzipped and like goes punching. Uh, it's guns. great too because like he already says, Where the fuck am I? Well not fuck, because it's PG thirteen, unfortunately. I I would have looked. Yeah. Well even even then the whole bit's like I was at my nana's playing cards and all of a sudden this red flash showed up and it's like like yeah, right. You're you're robbing yeah. a bank. No, I But wasn't. like it's just the concept that he was robbing a bank and then immediately like dropped off in that bag and then immediately taken there. Like, he never, like, made it to prison in between robbing the bank and being part of the squad. Nope. <laughs> That's why he still, like, has all of that money on him, because he was from the bank. Yeah, robbed every bank in Australia twice and decided to try in America. Oh, he came to Central City, though, fucked up. Fucked up. He did fuck um, up. But, yeah, hilarious the whole fucking time. Such a piece of sh- just such a shitbag. The pink unicorn thing was weird. But I to laughed. me, I think the implication was that the money was in the unicorn. No, I think it said is fetishes pink Whatever. unicorns. So I, I, I I, thought... it was a joke for the audience to laugh at every time it popped out. It's like, oh, he's like, oh. A pinky. Now, one missed opportunity was when he gets stabbed in the chest and he stabs the money. I, I thought it was going to be the unicorn. Yeah. The unicorn. Yeah, that, that should have been that. I mean, it was funny that it was money, but I think the unicorn should have been the one to stab. I think that was like and then he would have gotten super joke. mad and killed everything. Um, I think his vision should have been him riding a unicorn as money showered from the sky. <laughs> well, maybe, but they, they couldn't uh, hear everyone. Which is too bad. Right? But yeah, I loved him. You know, he threw boomerangs. That was like, as weird as it is to say, one of my concerns was that he wasn't going to be comic booky throwing boomerangs and shit. First fucking thing he does is throw a boomerang at and it comes back. And he's just like, oh, yeah, sorry, it's what I do. It's my he thing. Had a camera boomerang. He had a grenade. And he just boomerang. like uh, my favorite part of the camera boomerang is when it gets blown up and just like drops the phone on the ground. Like stop, fucker. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, favorite boomerang moment is I start laughing the very moment he says to Slipknot, "You know these bombs are just mind games; they aren't real." Like you piece of shit. I knew exactly what he was doing, and I was the only one in the theater laughing at the time. But it's so fucking oh, boomerang. So yeah. It's just my games. Just trying to tra- trap us in our own own prison of our mind. You with me? All right, go. Ah, fuck. They are real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, I can't say enough good things about Jay Courtney's Captain Boomerang. I really hope he's in the Flash solo movie. I hope the rogues are in the Flash solo movie. They have a lot to live up to. Like, I mean, they have a good, good solid base. It's really going to hinge totally on who they cast to play uh, Captain Cold. You need a really good Leonard That start. is the... Oh. I am so... I know we've talked about this before, but I'm just, like, really, like... Who are they gonna cast? The guy that they have for the Flash show is good, but he's not what I want as, like, a main Captain Cold. Yeah, he's not... He's He fits the TV series. The TV stuff is pretty campy, and he fits right, that yeah. well enough. I, I, I want something a little... I want something a little more... Not, not grim. But gruff. Somebody takes themselves... More gruff, serious. Somebody that's more serious in tone. Because Captain Cold is one of the, the ice-involved... Uh, villains in the DC universe that doesn't get take any shit. Like he is the most serious of them all. He hates fucking ice puns. He that wants none. Of and that he's shit. the strongest too. As you know, I've said before, Joker Alfred calls Mister Freeze a third-rate Captain Cold because that's how much better Captain yes. Cold is at what he does. Yeah, like he's one of the top tier ones. And so, you know, I hope they do take him a bit seriously. Uh, and off the top of my head, uh, Stephen Lang. Stephen Lang would make a, make a cape, great oh, yeah, Captain that's a good Cold. Idea. But Stephen Lang also wants to play Cable, Cable, but a lot of people are saying he's too old to play Cable, and that I think that's bullshit. bullshit. Cable can be played by I mean, multiple no, actors too... of different ages, because he's a time traveler anyway. Dolph Lundgren, I think, is my favorite choice, because I think Dolph Lundgren, I'd love to see him on the big screen again, doing some stuff that isn't this what the, the fucking yeah. Expendable films and things. 
But yeah, but, Captain Boomerang, so you can't on. say enough good stuff, seriously. He's not in the movie that much, but every shot he was in, he was perfect. I could not be happier. I could not be happier. Like, sure. seriously, I can't... I am such a little fucking giddy fanboy about Captain Boomerang in this movie. <laughs> it was pretty great. Loved it a lot. Moving on. <laughs> uh, a character I was not expecting to get as much character development in this film, and I didn't know a lot about going into it, was El Diablo. I knew about Diablo going in. Um, my wife uh, talks about Diablo a lot. She was one of the characters she was actually looking forward to the most because she likes El Diablo a lot. Um, I was actually expecting him to be the main character. Not in terms of marketing, but in terms of the plot. Because in the comics, oh. Diablo has always been about like redemption and stuff. So I thought that the main mm. character plot was going to be about Diablo becoming a hero, which... That is his plot, but it's not as much of the center spotlight as I expected. No, but he was up. The, I mean, as he far still as gets the spotlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was definitely one of the main characters up at Deadshot and Horror that he gets some spotlight and some character development, which I was also, I was kind of surprised by. He definitely feels like he's third place. Yeah, and and it's cool. He has a great great story arc. He goes from being this this guy you kind of you kind of you don't know what he did, but he turned himself in. Like obviously he's trying to make up for something. Then you then by the end of the film you find out oh he accidentally killed his, his wife oh and, and she when his wife fucking like vaporizes i was like oh yeah. shit <laughs> that's how hot he is yeah and then when you get the big moment when uh he's trying to fight uh enchantress's brother and you, you get that little moment where he gets knocked into a, like a wall and he sees pictures he of sees pictures of kids trying to remembering what he did and he's just like boom turned full of demon oh i mode. lost i yelled oh shit when i first saw that because i was not expecting that and that was straight was up, like, either. fucking, you're fucked, because this is straight up magic versus magic now. He, <laughs> he starts melting the fucking Oh, like, just chest ripping in into his heart and shit. Oh, it was fucking amazing. I was, yeah. It was so yeah. well done. So, like, fucking adrenaline pumping that scene. Yeah, and it was kind of sad to see him die in the film, but also it's kind of a good redemption for him, because he, he sacrifices himself to a, kind of in the full sense, saving yeah. world. That's it. That was his redemption. And so I think he, he definitely, from beginning to end, had a he full didn't story arc. let his second family die. Like he, no, he did not. I thought, I thought um, that was pretty cool. Before the that, guy, the, the his actor, uh, vision sequence was fucking beautiful. Oh, that's what I was gonna get. Yeah, when they did the vision sequences, his I love the most because he's seeing his family alive again. He's like, no, there's no making. Can't undo what I did. And he has yeah. my favorite Diablo moment is the line following that when Enchantress asks him, "How long have you been able to see?" All my life. Such a simple line, but hearing that both times in the theater made me go, "Aw shit!" <laughs> yeah, and he gets badass motherfucker, and it starts fucking taking on that brother. Oh, uh, it's so good. Diablo was one of my favorite parts of the film overall. Like, mm -hmm. it, he was I, really I handled very well, and I liked him a lot. Again, like I'm also bummed yeah. that he's dead, but fucking whatever. He's he's a demon. He went to hell. He could come back. There are people in this team that are going to die, and I honestly, I do think we thought originally that they'd be. Everyone's like and, every as soon as they announced, as soon as they showed the Suicide Squad picture showing the team, every single person said, "Well, Slipknot dies first. Like it was a given. Yeah, and I, I thought El Diablo was going to be another one to die because he's now also not yeah. that well known. But he died in a way that we wouldn't have expected. Yeah, and it was fitting for his character, and it, it paid respect Absolutely. to his character. Uh, so moving on to that, we had uh, Killer Croc. Looked visually amazing. Like, I, I would have yeah, preferred, I would have preferred a slightly bigger Croc, but that's a nitpick because I'm way happier that we actually have a dude in a suit being Croc. <laughs> that's still, when you, when you went down to the subway and did like the crocodile shuffle so down to the water, <laughs> I laughed so hard. Like, every, he was, he was great for like little one-liners, good character moments, or it's like, 
Except you, you're ugly on the outside. Nah, Shorty. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. So good. I, I oh, like her. Moments. <laughs> In response to Waller. <laughs> um, they made him very black. Well, but it worked. Uh, Adelway Akiyoji Agbaje, who played Adebisi and Oz. I know, he, I know, and he's also played a. Uh, he was also on Lost. I forget the, the character played Moss, but he's a yeah. black actor. So yeah, but he did a great job. I just, you know, like, uh, what do you yeah. want, BET? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so funny. <laughs> um, I do think that his voice is modulated a bit too much. Like, my first viewing of the movie, when Flag asks him, why do they put you down here? And he says, I asked. The first time I saw the film, I have no fucking idea what he said. I think the problem is it's kind of ebonic a bit, so he's like, I yeah. asked. It's a, it's a mix of both. So I, I think if they just yeah. took it down, like, just a, a little bit, it'd be better. be better. But it's still good. Like, that's a criticism, but it's still good overall. I like how Croc was handled. He didn't mean much to the plot as well. He was clearly just the muscle. But he, like you said, he had good bits where he, like, had little one-liners <clears throat> where people still liked him. And he still showed up mm-hmm. to, like, do shit. You know, like, as soon as they were going underwater, of course Croc is just like, you, you mother... I fucking live underground, y'all tourists. Yeah, that was really um, funny. And when he shows up after the explosion, all he does is just, like, grabs fucking ragdolls her into a pillar. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, that's what Croc's for! Yeah. Uh, I wish cool. that Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in the movie and that Killer Croc could have picked up the rock and threw him. <laughs> One time I threw a rock! <laughs> it was a big rock! Uh, but I love the fact that they put a croc in the movie, and he looks like croc. You know, it's not, it wasn't like, there's always that concern, and as we've said, DC and Warner Brothers, regardless of what you think of the films, are going way more comic booky with this than ever. Mm-hmm. But there's always that fear that they would have done a design to him, like, say, um, Killer Shark in Assault in Arkham, you know? And not in this, yeah. he's a fucking crocodile. He's a straight-up crocodile. Yeah. Crocodile, man, super cool. Uh, so, uh, we have one of the good guys in the film, and that is Katana. Um, also somewhat useless to the plot. Like, I mean, she matters in the sense that she's Flag's bodyguard, but it doesn't matter that much. Still a super mm-hmm. badass, and I'm happy she was in the movie. Yeah, it's still, I mean, I, obviously from trailers, there's obviously some stuff that was cut, but still, a, still a full, well-rounded character, even though she's not in the film a ton. Like, you still get to find out that she's, that her uh, husband was killed, she's trying to avenge her husband. You still get these little moments she with her. She hates criminals, like... She's still, like... She still yeah. matters. So I thought that I thought she was pretty cool for how little she's in the film. She still got to be a katana and still do stuff. And and I like her character moment of hearing the whole "we're about to fight a witch" thing, and all the villains are like, "I need a fucking drink." And even Katana, who is so anti-criminal, looks at Flag and is just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna join them." <laughs> Honor among thieves. I'm not oh, a thief. I think it's the only time she speaks English yes, in the film, too. that is the only time. The only other time she would have spoken English um, based on the trailers is when she says whiskey. Yes, from that one scene, yeah. That was the, the introduction. Which I'm kind of glad. I didn't really care for the scene where she's asking everyone what she want, what they wanted to drink in the, in the bar scene. I'm kind of glad that scene was I mean, it was short. just a lead-up to the water joke. <laughs> it was, and I, I just didn't think it was that funny. Yeah, I liked it, but I don't, I don't mind that trailers. it's gone, you know? I think it's a bit tighter. It is them in the bar, boom, to pouring drinks. I, I think agree. that was fine. I so like that she has like this big like poofy like green drink. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, Harley has like the gr- blue drink with the martini glass of straw, like uh, yeah. umbrellas and stuff in it. So that's Katana, and then uh, our Lord and Savior, <laughs> Lord Slipknot. and Savior Slipknot. Um, <laughs> he Slipknot saved the world, guys. He did if he did world. not sacrifice his life to show them that the bombs were real, they would have gotten their heads blown off. 
and they wouldn't have saved the world themselves. So Slipknot laid down his life. He sacrificed himself just like Superman did. Uh, he looked just like KGB. He looked at his his uh, cable line and said, "You're my world," and uh, <laughs> let his head get blown up to save the rest of the team. Uh, <laughs> did the cable line say Martha? <laughs> Why'd you say that name? Why'd you say that name? <laughs> Um, uh, no, uh, the, uh, guards said that name, so that's why he punched her. She said Get Martha. Imagine that, a bad guy doing a bad guy thing, guys. Apparently, uh, uh, some of his backstory was cut that got into how he's, like, a fucking serial rapist, um, so yeah. that the audience would, like, care even less when he died, I'm just, and I'm honestly glad that was cut, because he just exists to show that the bomb's real. Like, that's... Yep. He was, he was He's the expendable one. one. I laughed like hell that the one shot of him in the trailer is, in fact, his only shot in the movie. But I'm glad that he got to have, like, a conversation with Boomerang. Um, mm -hmm. So he wasn't just a corpse. Like, he actually did speak to Boomerang and did a couple of things. You know, punched a woman, punched yeah. a military guy, and then slip-knotted away. <sighs> he can climb anything. Oh, great, slip-knot. He can climb anything. Fucking fantastic. Uh, I mean, what do you have to add about Slipknot? My favorite scene of Slipknot is when he died. Uh, I thought my only criticism that he had his head exploded very cleanly, very cleanly, which I get. I get is a limitation of the. Uh, but I do like how his head blew up and then he just crashed into like a window and hung there for like kept hanging there. Yeah, <laughs> and Boomerang's reaction to that, it's not shock. It's just like, damn, I was wrong. Uh, Lord and Savior Slipknot. He will forever be in our memory. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you Slipknot, for your sacrifice. Insert, insert Slipknot <laughs> Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, I did like the uh, post credit scene. I thought that was way better than the yes. fucking email scene of Batman Superman. Yeah, but, uh, you know, whatever. That's, that's, I think, that, again, I think that should have been a post credit scene, not a scene. I would say film. that I don't mind that email scene being in the middle of the film, but that email scene should have been, like, way earlier in the movie, because where it comes up in the film, in Dawn of Justice, is very jarring. Because you got Batman in the suit of armor, yeah. he's turning on the light, Superman's hour saying, I have to get him to help me, or I have to kill him, and it's all this buildup, and then it cuts to a hotel room of Wonder Woman reading emails. It was very jarring. Whereas if that yep. scene was like just 10 minutes earlier, it would have worked way better. Yeah, I agree. But this one, yeah, it's uh, Bruce getting some information from Waller about other metahumans, and then he's... And Waller straight up knows that he's Batman, and then when Bruce... When Ben Affleck shifts from Bruce Wayne to Batman without even wearing the cowl, it it gave me a little chill, I gotta be honest. Like, she yeah, shut it down. Cool. Or else my friends and I will shut it down for you. Like, Jesus Christ. And another thing I really liked about the end of the film is that the credits were over like a like speckled like starry black background instead of yeah, just a black I like background. Yeah, I that too. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> more more little little different things in the filmmaking and the yeah, and I like film. stuff like that. Uh, so uh, do you want to get into final thoughts here? I mean, final thoughts is like I mean we basically covered our final thoughts in the non spoiler thing, but just to go over it again, I think it's a final final, final, final thoughts. thoughts. It's a really good movie. Like it's it's not yeah, perfect, I thought so too. but and the plot is thin, but again, when does the plot have to not be thin? It's an action movie. It's not trying to be more than that. It's about these fucking team of misfits uh, working together to haphazardly save the world. I don't know why you need more than that. 
but what's there is there, and it's done well. The characters are fucking great. I love seeing them together. I love seeing the chemistry of all of them. I love all of the set pieces in the movie. I like all of the scenes in the movie. And aside from weird pacing and editing issues in the first act, it's really fucking good. Yeah. Anyone that's calling this movie objectively bad, I don't understand where their brain is. Like, I, I, I don't understand the people that are claiming this is like uh, Fantastic Four from last year. There is in no, oh, no way, shape, or form. Like, even if I... Because I'm able to take a step back and be like, this is why someone would not like it. Even doing that with this movie, there's nothing in this movie as bad as what Fantastic Four was. Nothing. Yeah. No, no way. Uh, I enjoyed the film. I, I agree with a lot of the sentiments Steve has. Uh, again, like I said before, we got into the spoiler reviews. Check it out. I think it's definitely worth a, one, one viewing. David Ayer is a fun director, fun writer. I, I thought I delivered on a lot of stuff. Yes, it was a little sloppy in some of his execution, but I, no way is it a bad film. You can say it's eh or mediocre or below average or something. I can understand those things, but the sentiment of it being a bad, terrible piece of shit film or something, I just I, I don't do get not it. get it at all. I saw it I with uh, my wife, who's a big DC fan. She loved it. I saw it with my buddy, who is not a DC fan, and he loved it. Like, the first thing he said to me as soon as the critics started rolling was just like, the critics are fucking retarded. <laughs> Which is not a phrase I would have expected to, like, hear from him. But that he mm -hmm. truly felt that way. Like, I mean, he's not a DC fan. He doesn't know who these characters are. Like, he knows who Joker and Harley Quinn is. He knows who Batman is. That's it. Yeah. He didn't know any of the other characters, and he understood them fine in the film. He enjoyed them all mm -hmm. in the film. I, it's, I like, it, it, like he would be my litmus test, you know, as a total non-fan, and he enjoyed it, and he understood everything. So how can these other people act like everything's so confusing and like, oh, only fans will get all this, you know, this the general audiences are going to be confused. Like, what's fucking confusing? Everything, everything is laid out to you very simply in this film. Everything that you need to know is in this movie. Yeah, they actually make sure to take time to introduce the characters so you know who they are. And, I don't know, that's not enough for some people. But, if you guys want to get in touch with us, let us know why we're wrong and you're right and this movie's a piece of colossal dog shit. It is, it is better, it's worse than Pluto Nash. <laughs> if you want to let us know. Pluto Nash for Shoe Sasquatch too. No, no, where's Blank Man and Meteor Man? World's blackest. Oh, God, just get all the black heroes in here while we're at it. <laughs> Uh, you can email us at moviefilmsandvillainsteve at gmail.com. You can, of course, find all of our episodes at moviefilmsandvillainsteve.tumblr.com. They're all listed there. We're also on Facebook and on iTunes. Just look at Movie with Bill and Steve. Uh, give us a like. Give us a subscribe to a five-star review. In that five-star review, let us know who do you think should play Captain Cold in the Flash film. And as always, guys, you can find me on Twitter at Bill. And of course, guys, if you are interested in my films, um, and if you want to watch them to tell me how they're pieces of shit, because I like Suicide Squad, so clearly I don't know how to make movies... Please go to silverspotlightfilms.com or facebook.com slash silverspotlightfilms. And, of course, if you want to see me just wearing spandex for a living, you can go to facebook.com slash theamazingspidersteve. Awesome. Well, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. Freeze! Lose the guns or redecorate in brain matter gray. Got it? <laughs>